Amen. Let's give the Lord another round of applause. Can we do that this morning? Amen. We're singing the promises of God, right? We're singing truth. We're proclaiming truth. And I love that. Like, I love that regardless of the week, regardless of the struggle, regardless of even the doubt, like, we're proclaiming who he is and what he has promised to do. Can I get an amen? And that's really what this series has been about. So we welcome you this morning. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Those who are joining online, we welcome you as well. You're here. And so God bless you. for We're inside. That is a blessing because it is hot outside. So praise the Lord for air conditioned, the blessings of God that allows us to gather in this place this morning. Thank you for our prayers. Our middle school left this morning at 730, um, left with a number that we're hoping they come back with. That's always my joke. So they left this morning. Pray for them. They're going to Ridgecrest. And then tomorrow our children leave to go um, to, uh, what's the place? Cross, something in Maryland. Skycroft, Sky, Sky something? You don't know the gay either. You're looking at me going, I'm not sure. Skycroft is where we're going. And so pray for us. Amber and I are chaperoning our first kid's trip tomorrow. So pray fervently for... Because I'm like high maintenance, like when I sleep, like I need my fan, like I need my thermostat a certain like degree, and I have a feeling all that's going to get blown up this week. So just pray for us as we go this week. We're excited about what the Lord's doing. We're thankful for our rock builders, our rock builders who are in Ohio this past week. We got some pictures up here. Let's show these guys and ladies working. And so I want to thank them for the work that they did. Again, going to, to, to help build a church um, in University Baptist Church in Ohio, Beaver Creek, Ohio. And so, so thankful for that team. Thankful for those who would give up a week to go work, right? That's a big deal, to give up a week to go work for the name of Jesus, to share the name of Jesus. And it reminded me of a story, but a real story, not a joke, a real story. I, I reflected back to one of the most impactful weeks of my life was World Changers. Some of you may have gone to World Changers or are familiar with World Changers. I was a freshman in high school and my dad shared with me, he said, hey, your youth group, y'all's summer trip is gonna be a little bit different. You're not gonna go to camp where there's a pool and all these things, you're gonna go work. And I'm like, what do you mean we're gonna go work? He's like, you're gonna go serve. You're gonna go work on houses. You're gonna from eight to five every day and then you'll come back and you'll worship at night. And I'm like, dad, I, I ain't trying to do that. And he said, well, unfortunately, Heath, you don't have a choice in the matter. Uh, you are going. And he planned it this way. We did a two-week trip to Myrtle Beach. And after one week was my youth camp the next week. And I still to this day believe that my youth pastor and my father got in the office and my dad said, this is where I need you to go. This is what I need you to do. So Heath will leave and we have a week of vacation without him. I believe that that's what happened. So I'm in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Did a whole week, loved my week. And my parents were like, we're taking you to the bus station. I'm like, I'm 14 years old. What do you mean? We're taking you to a bus station. We're going to drop you off and you're going to take a bus to Savannah, Georgia. That's child abuse. Let's just be real. Like, that's just child abuse. <laughs> Dropped me off at 14. It was like, have, have a good week at camp and had the greatest week of Myrtle. They said it was the best week of Myrtle Beach of their lives because I was going. It was great, but we worked hard. Savannah was hot, but I remember, you know, people coming to Christ. I led a little boy to the Lord. Like, it was such an impactful week. And so all that to say, thankful to our rock team, uh, for going and, and serving and working uh, in the name of Jesus. We're excited for what the Lord's doing. We have our Israel uh, information uh, meeting today. If you're interested in a trip to Israel next year, we're meeting at the end of the third service in 111, to my left, to your right. And then next Sunday morning will be very special. We're celebrating the ministry of Dave and Felice Valoni here. They're not going anywhere. They're gonna stay members of our church, but he has served faithfully on our staff. And so next week we're going to uh, celebrate that. In between services, you're gonna have an opportunity to go again to room 111 
11. It's the big room to my left, to your right, to share with them, to thank them uh, for their ministry. And so a lot going on, but excited for what the Lord is doing. Take your Bibles if you would. Turn with me to two places. Hebrews 11, as we've been, but also Genesis 25. And so if you've been with us, we've been doing the study of faith in the Old Testament, of faith in the Old Testament. And we're finding stories, I know myself, that we relate to, like struggles that we relate to. Maybe not building an ark, right? Maybe not, you know, leaving our family and going to a country that we've never been to. Maybe not that, but maybe in the midst of the trenches of your walk with Jesus, there are times where God is stretching you and growing you and testing your faith. We've looked at this verse, right? Hebrews 11, one, what does it say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is not wishful thinking. This is putting faith and hope in a God and his promises that cannot be broken. And then you go down to verse six, and this is the key verse to our entire series. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. For he who comes must do two things. And this is what we've done for the last 30 minutes. We've been proclaiming these things. We must believe who he is, who the word of God says he is, and we must believe that he will do what he says he will do. If you believe that, let me hear you say amen, amen. And it says those who diligently seek him. But here's the question. What about our failures? Like, how does God use that? You know, as we're talking about faith, like, like, like let's make sure we understand that what we're really talking about is the faithfulness of God. Like what we're really talking about is, yeah, God calls us to faith, but every one of us, we have a pattern of faith and failure, faith and failure. That's our struggle. And so when we really talk about faith, when we really talk about let's celebrate faith, it's the faithfulness of God towards us. Can I get an amen? It's his patience towards us. It's his long suffering towards us. And the verse that is critical in all of this is Philippians 1.6. What does he say? I am faithful to the complete the work that he has begun. Don't miss that. We didn't begin the work. The Bible says we don't pursue the Lord. The Lord pursues us. And so we can rest in the chaos of our lives that he is faithful to complete the work. And what we have to do, and we're gonna look this morning at the study of Jacob, we have to connect our struggles and our problems to the purpose of God. That it's not random. It's not a coincidence that there's, there's nothing outside of the work of God in our lives. And he even takes our failures. And he is bigger than those. Can I get an Amen. Thankful for that. Stand with me if you would in reverence reading God's word. We're gonna read Hebrews 11. Let's read the two little verses that speak of our character this morning, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. You probably know the story of Jacob and Esau. And we're gonna look at that this morning. Some of you maybe never heard this story. You don't need to watch soap operas. Just read the Bible. I'm telling you, there's crazy stuff in here. There's a donkey that talks in here. Y'all realize that? And when I read that verse, I hear the donkey from Shrek. I don't know about y'all, like that's the voice. It's like Eddie Murray, I don't know how that works. Let's look at this, Hebrews 11, verse 20 and 21. Let's just look what the Bible says. God's hall of faith. Well, again, as I said, we're gonna look at characters in here, but we'll step outside of this. I'm excited for the next couple of weeks as we go through this. Look at verse 20 and 21. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come, hope for things to come. Look at what it says here. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worship, don't miss that, and worshiped. And I love the last phrase, leaning, <laughs> leaning on the top of his staff. Do you remember why? What did God do, right? He dislocated his hip. Homeboy's got a limp now forever, a limp, a daily reminder of what God did in his life. You understand what I'm saying? A daily reminder 
of our pride, our mistakes, but God's grace. Can I get an amen? Sometimes God gives you something to carry. Sometimes God gives you something to wake up every day and go, yep, that's the work of God, yep. And it can either be in the hands of the enemy or the hands of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Did we read? We read, right? I didn't read a couple of weeks ago, and the whole purpose of us standing is reading Scripture. We just read Scripture, right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are broken vessels. And so, Lord, we stand before you in awe. We stand before you, Lord, captivated by your grace in our lives. That you pursue us, Lord. That your goodness pursues us. Your grace pursues us. Your mercy pursues us. But many of us, like Jacob, we wrestle with you. And we fight, and it's a struggle. And there's some this morning who are wrestling with you. And they're holding on to things that you are telling them to let go of, to surrender into your hands. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that through the story, through the good decisions and the bad decisions, through the faith and the unfaithfulness, that we would find ourselves and see that we serve a God who is always faithful. And he's faithful to complete the work that you've begun in us. Thank you for that. Thank you for your work in us. Lord, allow us to surrender. Give us the faith to surrender. I pray that this morning to so many who are tired, who are weary, who need to lay these things down. Lord, lead us this morning to trust you. Without faith, it is impossible to please you. And so, Lord, give us faith this morning. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Like, this is straight-up WWF stuff right here, Jacob and Esau. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is Monday Night Raw. Is that what that used to be called? Like, A&E's doing those biographies right now of all the wrestlers. Like, it's like my favorite thing on TV because I grew up watching wrestling. I was devastated when I found out it wasn't real. Like, that was last year, and last year I found out it wasn't real. And it, I'm just kidding. I was a kid. But it upset me very bad. There's wrestling that takes place. And we can identify that spiritually within our own lives. Again, we wrestle with the Lord. We can identify with what Jacob is going through. But we got to look at this story. Some of you have never seen this story. And I want you to see again in this story that Jacob's story is not about his own faithfulness. There are moments of faith and we see that. But there's many failures along the way. And so what we really celebrate here in Old Testament faith is not the faithfulness of Jacob. It's the faithfulness of God towards Jacob unto righteousness. And that's the story for all of us. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Go to Genesis 25. You've got your Bibles. And let's just look at what's happening here. It's always interesting how the Lord even uses conception. Like there's many times where the woman is barren and God has to do a miracle, right? It's the story of Abraham uh, and Sarah. It's, it's the story of Isaac. Uh, it's the story of Jacob and Rebekah. And so let's look at what happens here. And the Lord said to her, Rebekah, his mother, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first one came out red. I don't know why I love that phrase. I just love that phrase. He came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. So here's a little hairy baby that's born. It's Esau. Let's get the picture here. Afterward, his brother came out. And his hand took a hold of Esau's heel. And that's really what Jacob's name means. One who follows, one who deceives, one who's trying to grab. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in the tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So dysfunction already. Let's just talk about that. At the moment of birth, but even after birth, there's favoritism that's taking place. 
at birth, there's a struggle. At birth, there's a conflict. And you're going to see that this surrounds Jacob's life. That over and over and over again, there's a pattern of conflict. Like over and over again, it's a pattern of, of being in a place of fighting and bickering and struggling. Even at birth, it takes place. Now, I've got an older brother, so I love this story a little bit. Like I identify with the, the sibling rivalry, like the, like the wrestling. He's six years older than I am. And so that was always a weird gap because he's a little bit too old for me to tag along. You know what I'm saying? So like when he's 15, I'm nine. When he's 16, I'm 10, but I always tried to tag along. And my, Tristan will ask me all the time. He was like, you know, we'll tell stories. And he's like, man, your brother was mean to you. He's like, well, why did Sean do those things? I said, because I deserved it. I deserved every single one of them. It's a miracle of God that I'm a pastor. I'm just gonna tell you that. Because this mouth right here has caused a lot of physical pain in my life. And so I'm thankful that this vessel hopefully can be a vessel of truth and good things. Because it's been a vessel of bad things for many years of my life. I remember we were struggling one time and I may have taken his rattlesnake boots and threw them in the pool. I may have done that, that he loved. And he may have taken my curious George and severed his head, my curious George and put his head in the pool so that when I came home, the head of my curious George was floating in the pool. To this day, my mom sewed, I was so upset. I was so upset. I was 19 years old and I was like, yo, that is my, I was. I still got him to this day. My mom has him and he, his neck is sewn together. He's like the dirtiest little thing of all time. But that was my buddy growing up. So I understand the battle between siblings. And I don't think the Bible gives us all the details of what's going on here between Jacob and Esau, but it gives us enough to know that there's chaos in this family. Can any of you relate? There's chaos in this family. Can any of you relate? There's a struggle in this family. It's hard to see what God's doing outside of the struggle of the moment. And so I pray you're encouraged that there's a bigger picture here. There's a bigger picture than the struggle. There's a bigger picture than the conflict. There's a bigger picture than the chaos. We have to connect our problems to purpose. And if we don't connect our problems to God's purpose, the enemy has a heyday with it. The enemy loves to take the same material. He has no original material. He can only take the work of God in our lives and distort it and pervert it and lie about it. It's the same work. It's where we put it, right? Do, do we allow the, the enemy to have it and control it and bind us and joy and peace is gone? Or do we surrender it daily to the Lord and say, Lord, this is your work. This is your conflict. You are bigger than any of these things. Watch what happens here. Talk about faith and failure. I mean, it filled this man's life. Think about him as a brother. Think about him as a son. You know the story, right? He stole the birthright, not stole it. There was a scandal of the birth. Let's look at this. Go to Genesis 25. Many of you know this story, verse 29. So Esau's out in the field. Jacob loves him because Esau brings food home. Esau brings in venison. Esau brings in, so Jacob has favoritism towards him. I'm sorry, uh, who? Uh, his father. Isaac. <laughs> Isaac. Y'all understood I was talking about Isaac. Let's look at what happens here. Now, Jacob cooked a stew. Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Now again, to understand birthright and blessing, birthright's the physical passing on. So birthright is what the firstborn child would get, two to one. They got two to one to all the other siblings. And so here's Jacob saying, I want your birthright. Give that to me and I'll feed you. Deception pride, grossness. Esau says, look, I am about to die. 
So what is this birthright to me? Here is a brother literally starving to death and the other brother, Jacob, who's mentioned in God's hall of faith says, I'll help you if, I'll help you if you sell me your birthright. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You go a little bit further, go two chapters over to chapter 27. You know this story, you talk about deception. He stole the blessing, look at verse 18. So he went to his father, Genesis 27, and he said, my father, and he said, here am I, who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me, please arise, sit and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Notice this, Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly? And he said, because the Lord your God has brought it to me. Do you see that not only is he lying, he's putting a spiritual twist upon his lies. Not only is he deceiving his father, he is saying, oh, God provided. That's why I was able to come so quickly. This man's a broken vessel. He's in God's hall of faith. Like you see these patterns, right? Again, I think we can relate a little bit. Look at what it says here. How is it that you found it so quickly? Behold, because your God brought it to me. Verse 21. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near to me that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So that says to me that Jacob is known for lying. If his father is like, yo, prove it. That's a son right there that's probably lied many, many times throughout his life. Verse 22, so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father. He felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau, so he blessed him. So you have the scandal, the birthright, now you have the scandal, the blessing. So the birthright's the physical passing on, the blessing is the spiritual passing on. That your wives, your children, all the children will have the favor of God, will have the hand of God. And so he moves and maneuvers in a way where he deceives to get both of these things. You know the story, his mom says, oh, you need to get out of here. Your brother's gonna kill you. Go to my brother's house, whose name is what? Laban, you remember that? And he goes to Laban's house and on the way he encounters God. Let me read this passage, Genesis 28, 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba, went toward Haran. So he came a certain place, stayed there all night because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep, verse 12. Then he dreamed, this is Jacob's ladder, right? We'll be talking, he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, which is a picture of the Messiah. This is a picture of Jesus. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, the bridge between heaven and earth. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father of the God of Isaac and the land which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. So a very similar promise to Abraham. If you remember that, right? God gave to Abraham, I will give you land and I will give you descendants, physical blessings, but it goes further. Notice this. I'm Lord your God, I will give to you your descendants, verse 14, and your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north and south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now again, understand this through Rachel, Rachel and Leah, there are two sisters. He preferred the younger who was who, do you remember? Rachel, the older was, they're his cousins. Can we just talk about that for a second? Anyway, that was normal back then. So he falls in love with his cousin, but he falls in love with the wrong one, the younger. And you understand that he's a deceiver, but he's gonna be deceived, but we'll get to that story in a moment. 
And in your seed, all the families you have shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. Don't miss this, verse 15. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. Hear this. I will not leave you until I have done. Until I have done what I've spoken to you. Until I complete the work that I began. Until I complete in spite of you. In spite of your decisions and your sin and your unfaithfulness, I'm gonna stay with you. I'm not gonna leave you. I'm gonna guide you and I'm gonna stay until the work is done. Can I get an amen? Like there's encouragement in that now on this side of the cross, right? There's encouragement to know all of these prophecies were leading to Jesus. That of the line of Rachel and of the line of, of Jacob would come Judah. The line of Judah, right? And through the line of Judah is David. Through the line of David comes who? Jesus. So all this comes back to the seed of Genesis 3.15. All this comes back to the promise where God says, no, 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 you ain't one, Satan. Sin has entered into the world, but there will be one of her seed, right? Spoken of the virgin birth that will come. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And the promise on this side of, of the cross is for those who have professed faith in Jesus, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God lives in us. If you believe that, say amen, amen. If you fully understand that, say amen. No, don't say amen to that because we can't fully understand that. That's one of the miracles of God, that the spirit of God would live in me, a broken, sinful vessel. So there's a struggle every day. There's wrestling every day. Isn't that what Paul says? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And he tells us the spiritual warfare is the battle of the day. And so we see here the attack of the enemy all throughout, right? He's trying to stop the line. He's trying to stop the seed. From Genesis 3.15, you see the pattern all throughout the Old Testament. And the enemy has a motive to try to stop the seed that would bring the Messiah into this world. But he promises wherever you go, I will be with you. And Jacob shows faith. I mean, look at the end of this. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. So here's a moment of faith. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he put at his head, set up a pillar, poiled, poiled, poured oil on it. And he called the name of that place, what? Bethel. But the name of that city has been loosed previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, here's the moment. If God will be with me, and keep me in this way that I'm going. I'll give bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set as a pillar, shall be God's house and all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So we see through this journey, like moments of faith and we see like stakes in the ground, the pillar. And I think that's so critical in our lives. I share that all the time because it was shared with me going through my journey. Put stakes in the ground. Put stakes in the ground. Like, this is what God has done. And when the enemy tries to lie about it, you come back and you say, uh-uh, I didn't do this. God did this. You can't change it unless he changes. That's why, again, the security of our salvation, unless something changes with Jesus, I'm good. Because he's ain't got nothing to do with it. I got to respond to it. I got to profess faith in it. But the work was Jesus, Philippians 1.6. And the work he's doing in our lives right now is his work. He began it. We didn't begin it. He started it in you. And now you're in the battle every day. And it's a crisis of faith every day. We see it in the story of the line of the Messiah. Let's think about this. The 12 tribes of Israel come out of this line. Four baby mamas. Can we talk about that for a second? Four baby mamas come to the line of Jesus. Come to tribe of Israel. You've got Rachel, you've got Leah, you've got the two maidservants. There are 12 children 
that are birthed through this man. And there you find that you want to talk about the grace of God? The 12 tribes of Israel through broken vessels. Does it sound familiar? The work of God through broken vessels. The glory of God through people who are in chaos in their lives. But yet the promise, hear it, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. You think about the promise that's made to Jacob right there. I mean, whatever he, there's another in the fire. Didn't we just sing that, right? There's another in the fire that no matter where I go, no matter what I do, the promise is there and it cannot be broken. And the promise is until the work is done, until the work is done. And so you're in this journey, I'm in this journey of sanctification that every day the Lord's leading us to faith, to step out of our comfort zone, to be him, not us. And it's a work to make us more holy. It's a work to make us display Jesus in our lives. Man, is conflict, such a battle. And you see the wrestling that's taking place with this man. You go through Genesis 29. I encourage you to go back and read the whole story. Obviously this morning we don't have enough time to really go into all the details of his marriage relationship or him as a father, but he failed in every category. As a son, as a brother, as a husband, as a father. You see failure in this man's life. You see faith, but you see failure. Genesis 29, the one who is deceived is now deceived, right? Laman says, you come work for me seven years. I will give you my daughter. He thinks he's waiting for Rachel. After seven years, they throw this great feast and he realizes that he's marrying who? Leah. Poor Leah, man. I tell you what, but God has his hand upon Leah, amen, because the line comes through Leah. I mean, the line comes through Rachel, but God had his hand on Leah through the birth of these children. And you see that. That when he wasn't showing love to her, the Lord covered her. It's such a beautiful picture. So you follow it down, right? Jacob and Laman, they make a deal. Uh, Laman, is, sons are upset because they think Jacob has, has, has you know, kind of you know, deceived them once again. Uh, they run, right? They pursue Jacob. They make a covenant together. Like, again, you got to go through and read. This is such a soap opera, right? And now, now Esau is coming after him. And he's scared to death that his brother's going to kill him. And so in this journey, you find Genesis 32. Go there, go there, go there. Genesis 32. Very familiar passage. A lot of questions about this. And the Bible doesn't give us all the answers. It gives us enough. Genesis 32. Do you know the story of him wrestling with God? This man who had fought the Lord's will for so long. This man who had moments of faithfulness, but moments of failure. This man who responded the right way plenty of times, but he responded the wrong way plenty of times as well. Watch what it leads to. Genesis 32, let's just read verse 22 down to verse 32. He's waiting, he's scared. He's thinking Esau is gonna come and kill him. He's even devised a plan to kind of split up uh, his, his possessions so that if he does come and he's angry, at least he's got half of it. Like this man is maneuvering even behind the scenes of God. Have you ever been there? Well, you're trying to manipulate the situation. God's telling you to be still. God's telling you to be quiet. And you're trying to fix the stuff in your life. And then God does it and you look back and you go, I wasted a lot of time thinking. I wasted a lot of time thinking I had control over a situation that God has control of. Watch this. Nothing outside of the work of God. And he rose that night, took his two wives. Well, that's interesting. And his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the Lord of Jabba. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. He had split them up. Then Jacob was left alone and a man, capital M. Again, some say angel, some say this could have been you know, Jesus. Some, we, 
the presence of God, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, a vessel of God, we're not sure. But it's God doing the work. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled him until the breaking of day. When did it happen? It happened in the dark. It happened at night. So the greatest work in his life was happening in darkness. Don't miss that. Now, when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hips was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's what Jacob says. So he said to him, what is your name? And he says, I am Jacob. He doesn't lie this time. Tells the truth. I am a deceiver. I'm Jacob. He comes to realize who he is. Do you see this? He's not faking the funk anymore. He's admitting, yeah, I'm that Jacob. I'm that Jacob that has deceived and lied and manipulated to get what I think I need to get. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go. So he said, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you seek about my name? And he said, and he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. Do you see the battle, the struggle? And listen, this is a picture of his whole life. Like this is a picture of a man who wrestled with God. I mean, that's really the definition of Jacob. Like figuratively, but now literally. He wrestles with God again. We don't know all the details. But in the midst of it, he comes to say who he is. He admits who he is. I am Jacob. He says, I recognize that I am who I am. But he says, I'm not gonna let go unless you bless me. And I want you to see this picture. God had already promised a blessing, but God had to do a work in his life for that blessing to take. You see what I'm saying? The blessing was, it was already on paper, Genesis 25, Genesis 28. The blessing is there, but it's not until this battle, it's not until surrender, it's not until there's a change on the inside because he says, I'm gonna change your name. And that is remarkable when you think about it. The name Jacob means deceiver. The name Israel means God is upright. And so let's think about this for a moment. He admits my first name is I am not righteous. I am a deceiver, I am a liar, but the name given to him, the new name is although I'm not righteous, my God is. And it's his righteousness. Do you see this? That covers me. And the change of his name, and that's a big deal. A name at your identity. You go through the Old Testament, it wasn't just name given out random. There was a purpose behind those names. God changed his name and when he changed his name, he changed his walk. When he changed who he was, his walk changed. Literally, he limped. Figuratively, it's, the, it's this picture of spiritual warfare. It's the picture of walking in Jesus that when he touches our lives, right, he should change us. He gives us a new name. You no longer belong over here. You belong with me. And now that I've changed who you are, changed your identity, given you all these promises, you're gonna walk different. Might not be a limp, might just be a little strut in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But you're gonna walk different, there's gonna be a different walk. If your name is changed, you're gonna have a different walk. If you've encountered God and you walk away and you're not changed and you've not surrendered to the Lord, there's no new name, there's no new identity. You're still walking in your own stuff. 
So this picture is a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of what is to come. It's a picture of a Messiah. It's a picture of substitutionary death. It's the picture of the righteousness of Jesus laid upon the sinfulness of man. That when we stand before God in Christ, the Bible tells us that I will not stand there covered in all of my failures and mistakes. I'm covered in the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus. And that should give me a little bit of a walk as I'm living this life. What's that struggle? I don't care. I got promises on paper. I'm waiting for them to come. Man, it's a struggle. It's a battle. And I don't know about you, I've wrestled with God for many seasons of my life. And I look back, and I know God is sovereign, but I look back and I go, you know, why didn't I just give up? Like, why didn't I just throw my hand? All God was asking me to do is throw my hands up. For so long, I tried to get in there and manipulate and fix and solve. But guess what? If I did that, I could look back and say, look at what Heath did. And so the Lord says, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in you giving up your rights, surrendering, coming to that altar every day, right? Romans 12, coming to that altar every day, being a living sacrifice. And as you walk with me, I have promised to do the work that I've promised to do. I will complete it when it's time to be completed. I began the work. I will do the work. I will finish the work. I don't know about you, but that takes a lot of pressure off of us. Can I get an amen? Three words, walk with Jesus. That's our sermon series for the next seven years. Walk with Jesus. Marriage counseling, walk with Jesus. You're going to children's camp, you better walk with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a struggle. Your struggle is real. Spiritual warfare is real. The enemy takes the same material and he lies. And he says, God doesn't love you. Where's God? Why this pain? Why this fear? Why this doubt? Get off me, pulpit. When a child of God says, uh-uh, I have a new name. He's given me a new name. I'm in a new family. Whether you have an earthly father or not, there's a heavenly father that is waiting for you, that is desiring you, that is wanting you to walk with him. He doesn't force himself upon us, but his sovereignty allows the crisis and the chaos of our lives to come to a point where we recognize, I can't do this, right? You've heard it before, right? That whole statement, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. You ever heard of that before? It is wrong. It is baloney. Because when you're in that and you believe that, you think that you're failing. You're thinking, man, if God doesn't give me more than I can handle, then why is this crushing me? It's crushing you because it's way more than you can handle. The truth of the matter is God gives us way more than we can handle. So that we'll come to this point, whether we're wrestling, whether we're running, where we throw our hands up and say, God, only you can intervene in this situation. That's where the power of God meets the chaos of our lives when we surrender. And that surrender is not once and for all, right? There's a step of surrender. And I pray every one of you have taken that step of faith, the profession of faith in Christ, the repentance of sins, that begins everything. That's the new nature. That's the new name. That's the new walk. But that starts now a battle. Some people think you come to Jesus and life is just, ah, there's the struggle now. You have a target on your back. The enemy changes his tactics, I believe, when someone responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ and they give their heart to Christ. He understands that ultimately the war has been lost. There's nothing he can do to touch that soul. If you believe that, say amen, amen. I believe that. So he changes his tactics. All right, I can't rob them eternally speaking in hell, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna bind them. I'm gonna do everything I can to keep them from being used. I'm gonna do everything I can to keep the joy real low, to keep the peace real low so that other people don't see, even in their chaos, that God is working. There's a battle in that. And your battle is real this morning. And it can be in one or two places. 
The flesh naturally goes, fix it, fix it, fix it, solve it. The enemy loves that, by the way, because he knows we're no match to these things. And so he will condemn and condemn and remind us that it's way bigger than us. But when it is shifted, you say, Lord, I'm not wrestling with this no more. I'm not carrying this. I surrender, hands up, I surrender it to you. Man, there's work that God does in that. And I'm not saying you're gonna see something the next day or the next week, but there's a promise that can't be broken in scripture. And whether that plays out in our lifetime or even after we pass and go to Jesus, the promise can't be broken. God's word does not return void. So truth that is spoken, truth that is lived, the promise is that there is a ripple effect, that God will take those things and in his sovereignty use them in our lives and in others. I read this passage, I immediately think of Romans 3.23. To go from Jacob, that means deceiver, to change his name to Israel, that the 12 tribes of Israel would come through this line. He changes this man. He says, now your name means God is upright. Again, I think of Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But hear this, being justified freely by his grace. Don't you love that? You ain't working for nothing this morning. I promise you that because that work is something that we can't accomplish. It is freely given to those by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, only one way, whom God set forth as a propitiation, that's a fun word, atonement, payment, because sin has to be paid for. Payment by his blood, how? Through, here's the series, faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God, here it is, Genesis, passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It always comes back to Jesus. The story of Genesis 35 comes back to Jesus. All of this comes back promises that God had made that cannot be broken. We're on the other side of those promises. But the struggle is this, man. The struggle is in the chaos, in the battle. Can we trust the Lord? Can we trust the Lord and still be obedient when we can't see the next step? We know the story and we can look at it kind of from a distance, but imagine the details of this, of walking it out. These were real people, sinful people covered by God's grace and righteousness, but in the struggle, just like you and I. It comes down to surrender. Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday evening. Lord, here it is. Here it is, Lord. I ain't carrying it. I ain't toting it around. I'm putting it in your hands because there the work is done. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Faith and failure. I think that could be the title of all of our lives. Faith and failure. And yet a God who is faithful through it all. Where are you at today in the struggle? Maybe no one else knows it, but maybe you walked in maybe in chaos, struggling, wrestling. And the enemy is loud. The lies are loud. They're resilient. Truth is what settles into the cracks and corners of our hearts when it is proclaimed. The songs we sang this morning leading up to this, there may be words that you may say, I don't even know if I feel this. It ain't about what you feel, it's about what we know to be true. We proclaim it 
And as we profess it, God is honored and glorified. He says, without faith. And so I ask you each week when we come to this place, where's God calling you to faith in your life? If you don't know him, that's the first step. I'm telling you right now, and the enemy is attacking like crazy. So just take a step of faith and repentance to turn from your sins and say, I trust in one who died and rose again, Jesus, only Jesus. To believers who are in the conflict, who are wrestling today, you hear those words, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you until the work is done. Stand with me if you would as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can gather around truth. And Lord, as we leave this place, as we go throughout our weeks, Lord, may truth prevail. And Lord, in the conflict, in the battle, may we see you. May we not separate the struggle and the problems from your purpose in our lives. And so, Lord, give us faith. Give us patience. As we just simply walk with you each day, that's all you call us to do, just to walk with you. So, Lord, lead us this week. May the world see you in us. We pray, we ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.